Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going we're gonna, to, again, complete our study, finish up, or not finish up, we're, gonna, we're in the middle of it, uh, continue on in our study. We've uh, darted off for a couple weeks, and we're going to get back on that today. And today we're going to get back uh, to talking about the, uh, the trumpets, the trumpets of victory, the trumpets of victory, man. And so well, let's pray and let's go to the Lord and ask God to bless our, uh, uh, our uh, sermon today. Father, we love you. We give you the praise, God. Lord, please help. God, we're tired. We've uh, gone through a lot over this weekend and even this morning, God. And uh, Lord, enough to, to <laughs> rattle us, as we're going to hear in a moment, to rattle. Uh, God, I know I've been rattled the last few days. And God, we just need you. We need your help, God. We need to draw uh, closer to you, God. And Lord, we thank you that God, like a couple of weeks ago, we learned that through suffering, God, there is an end to it and there's a point to it. And in the end, God, we, we, we are made children of God and we're worshiping around the throne. And so, God, it's awesome. And we're going to see, God, just exactly what you're doing through your wrath today, God, and how you're bringing your kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. And so, Father, just speak to our hearts today. Change our lives. Draw us closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Again, remember, this coming Friday night, 6 o'clock, be a part of the family not here. We want you to be here and be a part of that. And you'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll get you more details about, uh, about uh, the, the uh, arrangements for uh, B's mom and uh, as we know more in the days ahead. So uh, just be in prayer for that family. We'll let you know if there's anything that we need to do there. But uh, back to the study on the book of Revelation, talking about the trumpets of victory. The la- week one, if you'll remember, if you've, not, if you've been with us or you've not been with us, we started out in week one of our, of our study. And we kind of gave a where we're going to go in the book of Revelation. And rather than kind of like we looked at that Monet painting, if you remember, and we looked at an expressionist painting close up and you couldn't tell what it was. But when you backed up and got a broader view, it was some beautiful poplar trees and it was a beautiful painting that you could then tell what it was. And that's kind of what we're doing with the book of Revelation. We're we're, We're rather than getting focused down on all every little intricate detail, we're getting up for a 30,000 foot view and we're going to look at the overall, the big picture of it so that then when you go look at all the details, it will help you to understand uh, exactly what is going on. So that's what we did the first week. We covered three small verses in that because we wanted, we wanted to give you the box top or, uh, of the puzzle so that you could see the picture, the big picture of what you're building and where we're going. And so we did that. Then week two, we, we looked at John's encounter with Jesus. John had an encounter there with Jesus and we began to talk about that and look at that and then week three we saw how the church should respond to this victorious Jesus that we saw what is our response and then week four we saw the throne room of God where the father holds out a scroll and where there was there was no one worthy to take that scroll until a a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the Lord who also was like a lion lion from the tribe of Judah was worthy to walk across there and reach and take that scroll from the hand of the Father. And then we looked the next week and how, or then we, he grabs that scroll. And then in week five, we looked at suffering, how when he begins to unleash the seals of this scroll, these four horsemen of the apocalypse, and all of this suffering that has taken place throughout humanity's beginning over time. But that suffering has not been in vain. We saw there was two groups of people that God was doing something in. And those two groups of people are unbelievers and believers. And the unbelievers, they don't have a good end in all of this. But the believers through this suffering, he is like like being put in the furnace of affliction, like being put in that. He's refining us and making us into wonderful, beautiful children of God and we found them all around the throne. We're like They're still even asking around that throne for a minute. Are you going to do something about all this? The same questions we have when we see the suffering. When I hear a scream, if you get a, the blood curdling scream of somebody from your next door and immediately I knew what had happened. It was, I, the Lord had to amplify that. It was like a scream in my spirit. I don't even know how that was humanly possible. But I hear a scream and I knew it. that's B and something has happened and I went next door and, and 
and it was, when is this suffering going to happen? Do you see us, God? Do you see what's going on? When is this stopping? And that's what those people were around the throne, they're seeing martyrs under the altar, and they're saying too to God right here, we know you're powerful, we know everything, we've seen you and all this, but when are you going to stop all this? And God, we finally see when he stops it, and there's just this beautiful worship around the throne, that he's working something far greater than we could even imagine, and they're worshiping it. You, you, God, they're waving victory palm branches. You, O oh Lord, have brought salvation. You, God, have done this. You have brought us from every tribe and kingdom and tongue and nation. You are awesome. You are powerful. You did exactly what you said you would do when we were singing way back then in that church, and we were just wondering what the days ahead, could we even survive them? You, oh God, are worthy of all glory and honor and praise because you are marvelous in your plan of salvation. And then today, we're going to answer a question. And this is the question. Are you ready? How does God bring all that's so good up in heaven? How does he bring everything that's going on up in heaven down to this earth? That's what we pray, right? Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we come down, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How in the world is God going to bring his will from heaven to earth? Well, we're going to see today. And he does it through wrath. And we're going to see how, this, this, how he finally brings, how God is going to take and bring this all the way through. And it's not always God. Sometimes it's nice and flowery, flowery and sometimes God's ways are not so nice and flowery. And, and today we're going to see that this is a serious endeavor that will rock this world. It will rock this world. It's about, this is something that is coming. This is something we should take seriously. The way that he will do it is in judgment. That's how he's going to bring his will. I'm sorry, you read Genesis and you go to Revelation. This is it. This is how he brings this will to earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to show you that. This is how victory comes. This is how we go through it. Last week, if you remember, I think the cameras had already gone off for those online. But we we came through all six seals uh, or a couple of weeks ago and then we, we we got a pause if you'll remember the dust was flying everywhere because the seals had brought all these horsemen I mean things are going on deaths plagues earthquakes it's just just unbelievable the suffering that's going on in, in humanity and then all of a sudden the dust settles and it's like we catch our breath and when the camera was off I finally right as we closed at the very end we looked at chapter uh, eight verse one and we saw where he opened the after there's this pause and this silence in heaven for just a space, like everybody's in awe. Everybody just, there's silence. There's worship going on. And, there, and there's just all this pause in heaven. And then after that, we saw that in chapter 8, verse 1, he unleashes the seventh seal. Or, 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 or when he unleashes the seventh seal, I'm sorry. That's when there's silence. That's when the quiet goes on. And, and so that's what we see. Well, Zechariah 2.13 has an interesting verse. And, uh, and, and I want you to see it. This is a different kind of silent than that kind of silent. This is the kind of silent we're seeing today. And here it is. It says, be silent all flesh before the Lord. In other words, why be quiet? For he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. God is awakened. Not that God was asleep before, but something has happened. God is roused. He is roused and he is awakened and, and, and he is ready to bring judgment. And that's what we're seeing. In other words, you poke the bear. And I'm telling you, we're tempting the Lord our God today. They're po- we're poking the bear. And at some point, the bear is going to get completely poked. And, and that's what we're seeing today. How do, I bring, uh, how do I bring this? How do I get mankind saved? How do I bring salvation to earth? How do I bring things on, on earth as they are in heaven when mankind refuses his own salvation, when mankind continues in rebellion, when mankind continues to walk away and thumb his nose at God? How am I going to accomplish that? Well, here we come down today to a process in which God is accomplishing this. This is how it's finally going to be accomplished. You've, re- you've awakened and, uh, and aroused God. You've awoken, you've poked the bear, and God is aroused now, and He's ready to bring judgment. For all those people who think God doesn't have the stomach because you don't have the stomach, He's roused, He's up, and He's ready to judge the world. Amen? Amen. This is what's coming. 
This is what is coming to humanity. This is what is coming to those who don't know God. Listen to what he says. Here's what he says in Revelation 8 2. And that brings us there. He's, he's got seven angels that are ready to bring forth this judgment. This is how he's going to bring forth wrath. This is how he's going to bring forth his judgment. He's got seven angels with seven trumpets that are come out. And they're ready to blast the trumpets right now. And that's where we start this morning. This is how he will bring his will to the earth. And when you get down to the end, and I'm going to show you exactly that I'm not lying to you, this is how it goes. This represents how God's going to do that. Another angel, the Bible says, came and stood at the altar. And that brings us to Revelation 8. Chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 2. And it says, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense and the prayers to the saints, and we saw some of that back in chapter 6, rose be- be- happening, r- rose before the God uh, from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings, lightnings, and an earthquake. In other words, God, like I said, is now saying, I'm awake, I'm roused up, and God is about to bring all things to their final conclusion. And this is how he does it. This is how he's going to do it. Before God brings his will to the earth, he pulls a thread. He pulls, ever pull a thread? Ever seen a thread and you think, man, I'm just going to pull it on the carpet? You'll see me around here all the time with a little razor blade cutting it so that when when somebody cleans in the vacuum it doesn't just start pulling because if you ever pull a little thread that you probably shouldn't have pulled on your shirt and then all of a sudden, man, you keep pulling and your whole shirt's unraveled, right? And God's about to pull a thread and it's, he's aroused, he's about, before he brings, he's about to pull a thread and it's going to rattle the earth. It's about to rattle us. It's about to rattle the earth. And, and, and the world, here's the arrogant thing of mankind in the world. The, the world thinks we got everything under control. No, they do. If we could just get the right people in political office, if we could just do this, if we could just get off oil and get on, on electricity, if we could just do this, if we could just get the environment in check, if we could just do this or we could just do that, we could, we could, we could just get everything just right. And man, there would just be, uh, if we could just get world hunger solved, if we could just get this, the foolishness of mankind, and God is about to show mankind in his arrogance, hey, you're not in control. I'm in control. And here's how he does it. This is how he brings man to the end, to true salvation. And where he brings him to a place, he's going to pull the thread and rattle the world here. And he's going to uh, uh, shake the earth. And that's exactly what he does right here in this place. He's not afraid to do that. So watch what happens when the rattling begins. The trumpet number one, watch the blast. The first angel blew his trumpet and there, there followed hell and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth and one third of the earth was burned up. You're going to see this pattern uh, and this rhythm of a third, a third, a third, a third. In the old seals, it was a fourth, a fourth, a fourth, a fourth. It's intensifying. It's increasing. Now it's a third, a third, a third, a third. And so the angel blows the trumpet. There's hell. There's fire mixed with blood. And these things are thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth is burned up. And a third of the trees were burned up. And all the green grass was burned up. In other words, You think you control the land. You think you control the green grass. I control the land. I control the food. I am the I am. Amen. And so he pounds the trees. And he rattles the earth. And he pounds the crops. It ain't global warming. Pound, pound, pound. Right? It's worse, it's worse than global, supposed global warming. It's God aroused. 
It's God awakened. It's God rattling the earth and showing, you're not in control, I'm in control. And so he hits the first trumpet or trumpets and hits a third of the, of, of the land. In other words, you don't control the land, I control the land, I control the food. And number two, trumpet blast. The second angel in verse 8 blew the trumpet, something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. When, I, when you read these, I want you to think about the ten plagues, because that's exactly kind of what's happening here. God is saying, man, I'm trying to get your attention. You think you're in control? You keep trying to remedy and do what you want to do? I'm the one in control of land, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to rattle your world, and, you, and I'm trying to get you to wake up, and I'm trying to get you to repent, but just like with the plagues, they keep on refusing to wake up, and they keep on refusing to repent so he says not only am I going to rattle them the earth I'm going to pull the thread a little bit more and I'm going to rattle the sea I control the sea you build your little ships of commerce you plug them into the little harbors of New York and and all these places around the world you got your big old shipping crates from China I got news for you I control the sea not you and so he hits a third of the, of the sea with this, uh, with this second trumpet, the Bible says. He blows the third trumpet, uh, and, and here's what happens. The angel comes out with a third trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and a third of the springs of waters. And the name of the star was Wormwood, and, it, and the third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. In other words, the star falls on the rivers and the springs. I control your drinking water. I control the land. I control the sea. I control the rivers. I control the streams. And I'm rattling your world. Because this is how I bring my will to earth. This is how, this is the process. This is what I'm doing in, in this day and in this last time. Whenever he begins to start to do this, I can take away your water if I want to. I can cause your seas to turn to blood. I can cause your food to dry up. It ain't your carbon emissions and your jets flying around and your little putt-putt cars. I control this. Look at the next one. Angel, fourth angel. Verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light may be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, likewise a third of the night. What he's saying is, would you repent now? You've seen what I can do to the food. You've seen what I can do to the land. You've uh, to the sea. You've seen what I can do to your drinking water. And yet you still won't repent. I will shake the sun and the moon and the stars, the very thing in the heavens that give you light in the day and light at night. I will cause these things to be rattled. Pay attention. Wake up. The trumpet is blasting. Amen. Don't you hear what is ready to take place is what he's saying. Don't you hear it, planet earth? Will, are you not awakening? Will you rouse yourself up? And will you turn to me? Will you recognize me? Will you call upon me? And so our God is so merciful. An eagle comes flying through the air that is saying, listen to me. Listen to me. And it starts crying out, whoa, 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 right at this time. It's warning. It's going to get worse. It's about to get worse. I mean, an eagle flying through. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's where we're headed. Three things are coming. You know, you think this is bad enough? He's saying three more things are coming and they're big. They're huge. He's saying, listen, I'm rattling the earth. I'm trying to get your attention. Planet earth. People. In case you don't get me yet. That's what I'm doing. Just like the plagues, folks. Isn't that what he did? Pharaoh, you ready to give up? You ready to humble yourself? You ready to, you ready to acknowledge I'm God? That you're not God? That you're not the one who controls everything? It's me. 
And he kept sending. Moses, go back and tell him again. Moses, go back and tell him again. Moses, go back and tell him again. And he just kept on hardening his heart, just like mankind does today. That's the problem with us. It's the hardness of our hearts. So here comes the fifth trumpet and the first woe. If you think it's been bad before, get ready. Here's how God brings His will to earth as it is in heaven. We can't control, he's showing mankind, you can't control the food supply or the plants. You can't control the sea like you think you can. You can't control the sun, moon, and stars. But what does mankind say? Oh, Natalie, I can control me. Right? Right? Come on, big shots. We can control us. Right? We can take care of ourselves. We can can solve our problems and get ourselves figured out. God says, wait, I'm going to touch that too. Watch this. Verse 9, chapter 1. Here's what he says. And the fifth angel blew the first woe, and, and I saw a star fallen from heaven and was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke of the shaft. Then the, from the smoke uh, came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. And they were told not to harm the grass or the earth or the green plants or anything, tree, again, like the Exodus, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads, and they were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them, and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone, and in those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. He says, you can't even kill yourselves. I control the land. I control the sea, I control the rivers, and I control you. And so God rocks the world at this time. We think we can create safety and comfort, and God says, I'm going to show you who's in control. I can rock the world. Every once in a while, God has to rock our world, doesn't He? Even now. This is the great rocking. But doesn't He have to rock our world right now to get our attention? Doesn't He have to rock our world a lot of times to get us to turn back to Him and remind ourselves, wait, I can't control all these situations. God's in control. Revelation 9, 7. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like women's hair. And their teeth like lion's teeth. Uh, try to figure that out. They, they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots. And their horses running into battle. They have tails and, they, and stings like scorpion. And their power to hurt people for five months is in their tail. They have a king over them that is the angel of the bottomless pit, which I, I kind of see maybe as a reference to Satan. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in the Greek is called Apollyon. The first woe is past. Behold, two woes are still still to come. In other words, I still don't have your attention, so I've got to come with two more woes. You would think if you're reading this and as I say it today, you would think surely this is going to get our attention. Surely this is what it would take to wake up America and and England and the nations of the world. Surely this would awaken the world at this particular time. But he he sends the third of the sea and kills it. He sends a third of the land and destroys it. He sends the rivers and the waters and the streams and destroys a third of that. He keeps coming with plague after plague, after plague, and rather than repent and get soft, now the mankind is being stung with all kinds of things going on and they cannot die, they want to die, but that can't happen either. And he says, the woe is past, there's two more coming because you still won't come to me. So here's the next, the sixth trumpet. And the sixth trumpet blew. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. 
saying, The sixth angel who had the trumpet released the four angels who are bound by the river Euphrates. What amazing sovereignty of God. Your God is sovereign. This shows your God is sovereign. This shows your God is in control of every little intricate detail. Like I told B this morning, your God knew the last breath your mama would, would breathe on this earth. This, you, he has everything. He knew the first breath when she would come out and he knew the last one she would breathe on this earth. Your God is sovereign. Look how sovereign he is. He has these angels who are bound at a river just holding there, just in their place, Daniel, until a certain time in the future. And look what he says. So the four angels who had been prepared for this very hour, this very day, this very month, this very year were released to kill a third of mankind. I mean, that's their job. They've been prepared that for that forever. And they're just waiting on the command. And all of a sudden, now here the command is given. And he blows this trumpet. And all of a sudden, they're sitting there at the Euphrates River prepared. And they, they know exactly what they're going to do when this God who is in control and mankind who is not in control, who thinks they're in control, all of a sudden, he lets them go. And he releases them on a third of mankind. And a third of mankind is died. And he's seeking to get our attention just like he's seeking to get our attention today and he's wanting to bring his will to earth as it is in heaven and he's saying with a loud trumpet blast do you hear me do you hear me planet earth do you hear me brookside church of god do you hear me world out there on the internet i'm rattling your world i'm trying to get you to listen and hear me And so the number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000 that they released. Look at what it says in verse 16. The number of mounted troops was that many, and I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision. And those who rode them, they, were, they wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and sulfur, and their heads of their horses were like lion's heads. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouth. That's three, the three plagues. What are the three plagues? Fire, smoke, and sulfur came out out of their mouth. These are the three plagues. A third of mankind was killed by fire and sulfur and smoke. By the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. Verse 19. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads and by means of them they wound. There's your second woe. Surely mankind will repent, James. Surely, surely mankind is going to get this. But look at verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, say it. Of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold, and silver, and bronze, and stone, and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their sexual immorality, or their thefts. They kept on going their own way. We got this figured out. We can do it. We can fix the land. We can fix the sea. If we just pull together, we get rid of those pesky Christians and those people who are in our way. If we could just get rid of the people driving their cars too much. If we could just get rid of the people using too many carbon emissions. If we could just get in our universities and our boardrooms and figure all this out in our politics and put our heads together. We could do this. If we could create the right medicine to stop this stinging pestilence. We could do this. And they kept on going their way. And again, it's like me sharing the gospel with somebody yesterday. I mean, you lay it out flawlessly. It makes no, it just makes perfect sense to me. It's like you answer all their questions and yet, Cindy, they still refuse it. It's hard hearts. Daniel, you've said it over and over at work. You've laid it out there. You've laid it out there till you, your face is red, till you, you've exhausted every word you got. 
And they still refuse it. They still harden their heart because the problem is the heart. And the only way that that's ever going to change is if God is able to touch the heart. So God is rattling the world and saying, I love mankind enough, Sonny. I want to get their attention. I love them. I want them to turn. I want them to repent. So I'm rattling their world. And so John sees this rattling of the world and it's chaotic. And it's just like when the seals were open and we got all the way to sixth seal. And then all of a sudden the dust is everywhere. That's where we are again. We're at the sixth trumpet and there is dust everywhere. The second woe is passed and all of a sudden... God is going to stop right there between the 6th and 7th and he's going to give us another reprieve, thank goodness. And he speaks to John right here and listen to what he says. It's the same rhythm as last week. You're going to see a lot of rhythms in the book of Revelation. A fourth, a fourth, a fourth, a third, a third, a third. And you're going to see these rhythms that go with God all the way through the book of Revelation. Six trumpets, stop. Six seals, stop. And then we get to seventh. And so God God in this middle part is calling people and he's wanting people to repent of what they are doing. Listen to what he says right here in 10 verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. Anybody seen a rainbow before in Genesis? That's a great thing, man. I love seeing a rainbow. That's telling us something there about our God right there. That's telling us something good and what he wants to do for us with a rainbow over his head and his face was like the sun and his legs like two pillars of fire, and he had a little scroll open in his hand. Now, we're, we're again, we're between the t- sixth and the seventh. And the Bible says he sets one, this angel comes down, sets one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. Once again, God is saying, these are mine. <laughs> I'll straddle the whole world. These are mine. It's all mine. And, and, and so he straddles the, uh, he sends the angel down, one foot on the sea, one foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a, a, a lion roaring. And when he called out, seven thunders sounded. Seven, there's all kinds of indication of who this angel is. Uh, I, you know, man, there's, there, it, you go all over the board. But today we're looking at the overall view. And, and, and today we see he comes down, sets one foot on the land, one foot on the sea. He thunders out and or cries out, these seven thunders are sounded. John was about to write what he heard, and all of a sudden from heaven it said, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write that. And then in verse 5 he says, And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, who created heaven and what is in it. And and again we see God's sovereignty, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. But, it, but, But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced it to his servants the prophets God said what he said he would do through the prophets what he said he would do through the Old Testament saints what he said he would do through the New Testament saints all of a sudden right here it's coming together God is bringing his will on earth as it is in heaven and what he said he would do he is doing God's will is coming down and 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 this angel is telling John to testify and I'm testifying this to you today. The same thing. Look at verse 8. And then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again saying, he's speaking to John and he says, go take the scroll that is in the open hand of the angel who is standing in the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him give me the little scroll and here's what the angel said to him take and eat it will make your stomach bitter but your mouth will be sweet as honey and I took it the little scroll in the hand of the angel and I ate it from the hand of the angel I ate it it was sweet as honey in my mouth but when I had eaten it in my stomach it made it bitter and I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings in other words John you need to say these words. 
You need to say these words. And what he's saying is, God is coming back. Jesus is coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's honey. That's honey when I get up here and I say, hey, Jesus is coming back. It's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's bringing his will to earth as it is in heaven. But up until then, he's saying also, we're going to walk through horror. Bitter. And that's what he's telling John. You tell him. You tell them the truth. You tell them that for anybody who doesn't repent, my wrath is coming. And he said, I want you to tell them both, the, all of this. I want you to tell them. And he's saying to us, I want you to tell them. I want you to warn that this is what is coming to planet earth. This is what is coming. Jesus is coming. Yes, Jesus is coming. But up until that time, there is coming some bitter things. Just like the devastation of Noah's Ark that we've said, we paint that little pretty little picture on the room. But folks, that was not pretty. Can you imagine the devastation? Have you ever been after a tornado? Have you ever been? My aunt's house was destroyed by a tornado. I had two aunt's house destroyed by a tornado. Went in that neighborhood afterwards, looked like a bomb had gone off. I mean sticks and trees. I mean like a horror film. You can't tell the road. You can't tell the street. You can't tell where you're going. Sticks everywhere. Nuts. It's just crazy. It's just terrible. You can talk about that with bombing in Ukraine today. You can talk about with, with devastation and destruction down on the coast with a hurricane. Whatever you want to say or whatever you want to put. But can you imagine after the flood of Noah's Ark, they land and we think that little pretty uh, Sunday school, oh, let's get off the ark and let's start our life over. It's, 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 it's a mess out there. It's horrific out there. It's awful out there. they got to go up and pick their lives back off and start again with eight people and, and some animals. And, and, and so uh, we, we, we want to tell people about the honey, but we also got to know about the bitter too. That up until that time, there's some things that we're going to face on planet Earth. And so the angel, but here's the beautiful part. The angel has a rainbow and God is saying in that rainbow, I have a heart for my people. I have a heart for my people. I care for my people. And, 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 and when this thing lands, it's going to be awful. So tell people that. Tell people that when this thing comes, when these angels do really go forth and grab the trumpets, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Some of you look bored out of your mind right now and like you don't care. But you got family and friends that are going to face this. It ought to stir us. It ought to bother us. Right? It ought to shake us up out of this lethargy in America like the devil's just got his little thing. Your brains are fried from so much of these things right here. Your attention span can't go. I get made fun of all the time how long I preach. You know, because we can't handle more than three seconds. Or we're zoned out. We need a commercial, right? Because who's doing that? Satan. Hush, little baby, don't you cry. Satan's going to sing you a lullaby. He didn't want you in this. He didn't want you listening to the preacher. He didn't want you hearing about the wrath of God to come. He cares for His people. He's saying wrath is going to be poured out and it's going to be unimaginable. I'm doing this. I'm trying to wake up my people. I'm trying to bring my earth from heaven. Do you think it's bad in heaven? It's glorious in heaven. It's beautiful in heaven. It's radiant in heaven. There's no crime in heaven. There's no destruction in heaven. There's no difficulty in heaven. God says, I'm trying to bring that to planet earth. And this is the process by which I have to do it. I have to rattle some folks. I have to show them who's in control. I have to reveal some things about what's coming on the earth. Because I'm hoping that through revealing these things and rattling and doing all this, that there's going to be some repentance from the world. And so we know we got to go tell people the good news and the bad news. We've got to remind the world. That's the second thing. Is we, he's rattling the world and then he's wanting us to remind the world. Okay, remind the world. This is what's coming. Remind your friends. Remind your family members. Do you care enough? Do you love them? Do you love your kid right now that's not in this church? That, 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 that you can act like they're okay because they grew up in Sunday school and they prayed a prayer one time, but their spiritual life has gone down the toilet and you got to wonder if they're even serving God? Are you going to bank on maybe? Their eternity on maybe? You're going to bank your mama's salvation on, well, I think she might be right, but boy, I'm sure not sure. 
She doesn't go to church. She hates the church people. She, she just stays in her room and depressed all the time. Are you going to bank their salvation in eternity? Basically? Does that look like the... Does it, that, look, we all have depressing times, but a believer, that, I mean, your whole life shouldn't be that. Isolation. No, 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 no love, no caring about people, no, no growing near to God, no meeting with and fellowshipping with the body of Christ. He says, remind the world. This is what I need to reveal to them. I need to reveal this is what's coming and, 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 and that, that God is going to judge the world. And so what he does next is he begins to measure something. He measures the temple. He begins to measure the temple. And in the Old Testament, what that meant was, if you measured the temple, two things. Number one, either God is about to judge, or secondly, what it means here is, God, that, that this is ownership. I'm measuring out what is mine. And he's measuring the temple right here. And listen to what he says. Listen to what he says about the temple. He, he says, then I was given a measuring rod like a staff and was told, rise and measure the temple of God. Who's the temple of God? Boy, that's a little faint. We are. Yes. Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the core outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given to the nations that will trample the holy city for 42 months. In other words, remind the world, reveal to them, measure this out, and, 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 and it means ownership. And when is the last time that you thought, God owns me? God owns me. God owns me. And what this is telling us here is that God is measuring the temple and He knows who are His. He knows everybody that are His and He will miss none. Look at what He says so. He goes on to say in verse 11, And I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days and be clothed in sackcloth. Listen, He, he left a part out, but now He's sending the two witnesses there and He's saying, now I want you to go and I want you to prophesy to these this group and these are the two olive trees and the two olive lampstands uh, that stand before the Lord God is going to redeem Jew and he's going to redeem Gentile he's measuring out he's going to take care of the Gentiles and then all of a sudden he's saying I ain't forgot about my Jewish people and he sends these two witnesses in to the out, outer places after they've been trampled for a certain amount of time he turns his attention back over there and he begins to look after and go after them because God has a family and God has one new man and it's made up of both Jew and Gentile. God has a plan of salvation that encompasses anyone in the world who wants to come in. Amen? And he said, I'm going after the Jews to get them back and they will know Messiah. And he says this in verse 5, and if anyone would harm them, fire pours out from their mouth and consumes their foes. And if anyone would harm them, this is how they are doomed to be killed and consumes their foes. Uh, and verse 6, they have the power to shut the sky. That's why some think of this could be Elijah, that no rain may fall during the days of prophesying. They have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with a plague. That's why some people say Moses, others say Enoch, as often as they desire. These two witnesses are reaching out with the gospel there to, to, to testify of these things, to reveal these things, to, to, to go after the Jews. And when they have finished their testimony, in other words, when they have publicly revealed and shared who this God is, the beast rises. And we're going to talk about that in the coming week from the bottomless pit. And we'll make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city and be symbolically called Sodom and Egypt. And their Lord, where their Lord was crucified for three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents. It's like Christmas time because these two prophets have been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. God is rattling the world. God comes and reminds the world uh, uh, that there is good news and that wrath is coming but that there's better news coming on the back end of that. And then verse 11 and 11 it says, and I'm getting ready to come to a close, but after the three and a half days a breath of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their free feet. A great fear fell on all those who 
who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here. And they went up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake. But watch this. And the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. No, y'all don't get it. My goodness. What are you doing patty caking? Dear Lord, do you not see that? My will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The world is finally coming to a place where they're getting saved. That doesn't excite anybody. No wonder we don't come down here and pray for people in the altar. Another person, somebody's kids down there praying and nobody comes up and prays for them. My goodness, the world would not bend their knee to God. God is trying to bring His will to earth as it is in heaven. He's blasting the worst God-awful things in the world to them. They won't turn all of a sudden. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And finally, an earthquake. We're done. Your God. No more rejection. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is to come. He rattles the world. He reminds the world. He reveals to the world. And the world repents. And then the seventh trumpet. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in saying, The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ on earth as it is in heaven. And he shall reign forever and ever. How does he bring his will to earth? I just gave you the process of how he does it. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who was to come. For you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. And the nations raged, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged and for the rewarding of the servants and the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyer of the earth and they're saying Jesus you win you are the champion my friend the champion of the world you win we don't win we don't control our situations you win Jesus you've destroyed the destroyers You're the champion of the world. Hallelujah. But there's a process that takes place. And we have to tell people this process. And God is saying to you today at Brookside Church of God, I don't want you to go through this process. I didn't appoint you to suffer wrath. I don't want you to face this. So this preacher is screaming, acting a lunatic, throwing off his jacket, screaming to the top of his lung, pleading with the most passion he possibly can to say, please, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, if you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you are playing games with the Almighty God and thinking you can yawn and take your time and have a casual relationship with God, think again. He wants all of you. And he's doing all these things because he's seeking repentance. And he wants the reign of God to be brought in our lives. This is the last verse, Revelation eleven nineteen. Here's what he's trying to accomplish through all of this. Then God's temple in heaven was open, and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. You know what the ark of the covenant is? Relationship. God is saying, I will do everything anything to remove those things that are keeping you from a relationship with me. 
love you. And I want you with me. And after all these things, they see heaven open and the ark of his covenant. And Jesus Christ is saying, I'm the answer to how I will bring, how the will of God will be brought from heaven to earth. And one day I'm coming to reign. But today I need to reign in your life. He's coming to reign one day, but he's calling you to repent now. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray if there's one person with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you say, man, I don't like the wrath of God. Wish I hadn't come today. Bad day to pick to come to church. Uh, Brad, what you preach scares me. I don't like to think about those things. I like to think about butterflies, puppies, and rainbows. And that's coming. That's coming. But until then, God warns us to, 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 to tell about this. This is coming for, me, for those who do not repent. And so if you're here today and you have not repented of your sins, you still say, well, I, I got control of my life. I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle the big, I can handle the little, little things in my life. God, you handle the big thing. No, he wants all of your life and he wants to handle everything and he wants to be the Lord and master and maker and he wants to have control and show you all you control freaks who try to control every situation of your life. I got news for you. It's going to get real difficult to do that in the coming days because God's saying, you are not in control. I don't want you in control. I'm in control. And so God is trying to rattle you and he's going to continue to rattle until we get to this big rattling. And so God is trying to remind you, reveal to you, this is what's coming and please repent now. And so if there's one person in here today and you say, I need to repent of my sins before it's too late, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to make sure that everything is right. Uh, if that's you, would you raise your hand? If there's one in here, there's one hand up. Yes. Is there any more in this room? Amen. Amen. There's two hands I see up. Anybody else? Flee from the wrath to come. Flee from the wrath to come. Uh, the Bible warns us. And so, uh, all right, well, let's do this. Let's pray this prayer. And then we're going to move into a very quick time of communion. And we are going to uh, take Brother Jimmy into the church. And so pray this prayer with me, especially those that uh, we, we, we I know this seems, uh, this seems, uh, contradictory to what we say when we say a prayer doesn't save you and now I'm asking you to pray a prayer but there is some truth in the fact that when we receive Christ into our life often we ask him to come into our life we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart and uh, but we're we're not just praying a prayer we're receiving a person and a relationship and so uh, just uh, if you would let's let's pray this prayer and just reconsecrate our lives to God today dear Jesus we give our hearts to you today we do not want to face the wrath to come. We receive you as Lord and Savior and Messiah. Save us and cleanse us and write our name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, we love you. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of you, I pray God opens your lips and your mouth and your vocal cords so that you can pray that prayer and pray out loud, even if you are saved, because it's not a bad thing to pray and to say and to help the other people around you pray that. So I'm not trying to be mean or ugly, but it's not a bad thing to pray that prayer when we all pray that together and do it corporately and congregationally. Amen.